Hi everyone. I'm really excited to have Lucy Jung here today to talk to you. She works for Feel Unique, the European beauty e-retailer re e um, based out of Hong Kong and working on the China market. She's got a wealth of experience with brands going into China through cross-border e-commerce and I'm really excited to have her here today. Hi Lucy. Hi Ali. So I guess today what I really wanted to ask you about for the brands that are listening is a bit about how Feel Unique works, first of all. How does Feel Unique work in China? Because many of the brands probably know Feel Unique from the European side of the business, but how does it work um, over here? Yeah, sure. Um, so our business model for China is through cross-border um, because most of the brands that we carry are cruelty-free. Um, so we operate in China through our .cn site, which is in Mandarin, um, and the domain is hosted in China. So we're able to provide our users with that faster user experience. Um, we ship all of our products from our UK warehouse today. Uh, which means logistics is actually a very key uh, success factor for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And um, in terms of brands, so you have global brands and local brands? Right. So most of our brands are global brands, are foreign brands. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so what type of products sell best? What type of um, I think in order to answer this question, um, let me just explain a bit more about our customers um, to your audience. Yeah. Uh, so since we are an independent e-retailer that operates through the cross-border um, model, and we also ship from the UK warehouse, this means that there are quite a bit, not quite a bit, but there are more uh, hurdles compared to uh, China domestic platforms when mm -hmm. a customer shops um, on our platform. So these hurdles include a higher free shipping threshold um, and you know, also a longer delivery um, time. So having said that, in, uh, most of our customers are extremely sophisticated and very demanding. Um, they're probably amongst the most demanding customers in, uh, in China. Um, they are usually at the forefront of the trends, not only just within China, but also overseas globally. And they're very knowledgeable about brands, about ingredients. Um, and most importantly, they're also quite price sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. So if you keep this in mind, I would say the brands and products that sell the best on our platform can be divided into three categories. Uh, so the first category is brands that are very well known and established globally. Uh, where Feel Unique has a price advantage uh, versus the China platform. So these are the brands that are similar to Caudalie or The Ordinary. Um, mm -hmm. The second group is brands that have gained popularity overseas, uh, but are not necessarily accessible in China. Now, in today's world, these brands have become um, less and less because once they've reached that stage overseas, they more likely to have that financial resource to be able to find a TP in China and they will decide to launch on Tmall flagship. Um, yeah. And But the brands that I have in mind are brands like Charlotte Tilbury and Huda Beauty before they officially entered the Chinese market. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, the last brand are actually, the group is actually quite interesting. These are the very, very niche brands um, that mm -hmm. I, to be fair, I had never heard of outside of being mm -hmm. unique, um, but they do fulfill a very specific need in the market. And they also have very few competitors in the market. So two examples I can give you is the first brand is called Hydrea London. Um, so Hydrea London is a uh, body brush brand. Mm -hmm. So I think within the last year, this dry brushing concept in China to exfoliate mm -hmm. your body has become yeah. very, very popular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and Hydrea London produces some very high quality dry brushes. So we've actually seen this brand's performance increase uh, multiple folds within the last couple of months. Um, and the second brand I have to mention is some, a brand called Medicaid, a skincare brand. So mm -hmm. the, why this brand is special is they have a very clear and focused brand philosophy, which is called the CSA philosophy. So this philosophy stands for vitamin C plus sunscreen by day and vitamin A by night. So it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not necessarily a new concept because a lot no. of skincare brands play it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. the Medicaid really focuses on it. Anything that and everything that they do is surrounding um, this CSA philosophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's so really interesting. The Those three, three different, yeah. yeah, the three different buckets. It's it's interesting. Obviously, you have so many brands on your platform, so it's not right. surprising. Um, but it's great also to see those smaller brands if they've got the right. Uh, niching, you know, they're, if they're if they're really targeted, then they can they can do well and presumably um right. presumably that's in terms of marketing and and brands need to find a way to sort of develop themselves in china that's that's another issue isn't it that um brands have to get over yeah so yeah exactly so um to the last brands that i mentioned they're very they're quite small they're quite niche um i was surprised how people in china or our customers would be able to discover these brands but then again mm. it goes back to my point on being you know our customers are some of the most sophisticated and knowledgeable beauty shoppers in china um mm. so you know they are always looking at Instagram, even though it is blog, Instagram, mm. YouTube, they're always looking at different um, information uh, to do that research. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's really interesting. And what would you say for brands coming in, you know, what's the biggest challenge for them um, in terms of cross-border e-commerce? The biggest challenge, um, the biggest challenge is getting the brand awareness out there. Um, I mm -hmm. think at least from what I've seen, and actually we do, you know, the, the most brands that we work with are niche brands that don't really have awareness in China. Um, the biggest challenge for them is having the resources, financial or um, a team, uh, to be able to really build out that awareness in China. Um, and I think a lot of the brands have, less so now, but a lot of the brands have this misconception of the minute I enter China, that means I get money in my bank. Um, but it's really, I mean, it's so difficult. It's a very complicated market. It just doesn't work mm. like that. Um, so yeah, so finding the right partner, really having that patience to focus on, on your vision and your, your goal. 
Yeah. And I think, I think that also goes back to your point before about if you've got a product that is very specific and you can really explain it very easily, you have a lot of traction in your home market. The as you said, the more sophisticated consumers are looking at international platforms right. like Instagram. If you're getting cut through there and it's a simple proposition, a star product, then you're already like right. a, you know, a whole, it, it makes the whole thing a lot easier, right? Than trying to it build does, a brand yeah. from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And obviously, you know, then the next stage of challenge is how do you drive that excitement? How do you sustain that excitement? And how do you continue to drive that newness? Um, what you're seeing is there are many, many local brands in China. They, they, they have the budget. Um, they understand completely what the Chinese consumers want. They're able to turn over new product development in a matter of one or two months. So, so again, you know, for, for small brands entering this market, you really have to be clear about what you present to the customers, what you represent to the customers and be clear about what your goal is. Yeah. And I think it's about also being ruthless, right? You have a, you have a, a huge product line and they're all, all these products are your babies probably, you know, in a talk, yeah. I talk to brand founders all the time and they, they love so many different things and they're talking about it for different consumer groups. And I totally understand, but if your resources are limited and a market like China is so big, you really do need to pick one thing. Um, I think to hero, yeah. and it sounds like that's worked with them. Um, with some of your your brands so that's good to hear yeah that's um, absolutely right so i guess on to like a more any more advice for brands coming in what would you what would you think they should look at or advice um i mean the the i've got a couple uh, i think the most important is to find the right business partner um, but also at the same time, not only just business partner, but also having the right team internally to be able to be the brand champions, to be able to manage the business partner. So, um, you know, there are so many ways to enter China nowadays there. You can find your own distributor. You can work with a TP. Um, mm -hmm. You can even partner with us with the e-retailer um, platform like Feel Unique. But the thing is, you really have to do your research, not just be blindsided by the uh, sales figures, um, sales potentials that anybody represent to you. Um, but do your research to find the right partner that that has the same vision, strategy and goals as your brand. Um, and I mentioned, you know, I think even more importantly is to have the right internal team members that are knowledgeable about the market. Um, that can be the brand ambassadors and to help you, you know, manage whatever partner that you end up finding. Um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the really tricky thing, isn't it? With smaller brands, yeah. especially because they don't think about the setup. They think about the partner, of course, because, you know, to work on most of these platforms, you have to have a partner, right? Um, but then yeah. they don't, they, they don't have the internal resources to, sort of back that up and China moves so fast right. and you need assets exactly. and you need content and you need, um, exactly. so that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I think, um, what a lot of brands, when they find partners, of course, there's English speaking team members in the partners, um, in the partners team, but a lot of the times it's so much more than just the language, um, right. It's the culture. And to your point, it's how fast China, China moves. Um, so it's really important to have that right team. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Um, and anything else in terms of advice? Um, I think really just be prepared to invest the time and money. Um, like I said, it doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. entering China doesn't equal to instant revenue or profit. It takes time to be able to build a long-term strategy that allows you to be successful in the market in the long run. Now, you know, you could be a brand that maybe only are looking at the short-term uh, benefits, then sure. Um, but I think no matter what the strategy is, you, you have to be prepared to spend the time and money um, before you reap the benefits. Mm, yeah, um, and yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think my, my, my last um, advice is to just to um, not get distracted by any quick wins because there is no such mm. thing as quick wins yeah. in China. Um, you have to be, stay grounded to what your brand stands for uh, in order to, mm. for that sustainable growth for the brand. Yes, and there are so many um, sort of uh, stories where people have been burnt with China, aren't there? I mean, you always yes. hear a brand that they've been in some one way or another and, and someone's offered them the world and, and it just hasn't ended yeah. up being anything like that. So I think your, your point about quick wins is a really good one. Like it's... Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, even in even in at the moment where China is looking like a bright spot on on the global um, in the global retail landscape, I think it's it is you know it's definitely performing better than most other markets. But at the same time, you still need to have that commitment to it, and um, yeah. you know you'll see that benefit in a year or what you know in maybe a couple of years. But um, yeah. you need to invest now first, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so thinking about obviously the Chinese beauty market is, I mean, it's about to be the biggest beauty market in the world at the moment, second to the US. And it's so dynamic and there's so much going on. I mean, from your perspective, what sort of trends or um, yeah, things that you've seen recently that you think brands really should know about? Um, it's such a difficult question, I think. Um, you know, you also mentioned that the market changes so fast. It, a lot of the times, the second you feel like you have the market figured out, something changes. You know, it could be the regula regulations, as we've seen, um, they're thinking about eliminating animal testing. Um, it could be like a new game, uh, Animal Crossing, that, that's just all of a sudden blowing off the charts where all the brands are spending their marketing dollars on this, this one game. Um, so... I mean, I think obviously there is the trend of clean beauty to be to be watched, um, especially mm -hmm. with animal testing rule being eliminated in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. In terms of this, I do think the sophistication level and the awareness level in terms of clean beauty amongst the Chinese consumer aren't quite there yet. I think mm -hmm. it might be another year or 18 months, um, but it's not too late to sort of start the homework, start your research, start your homework to be the uh, market entry player um, in that in that front. Um, mm -hmm. But I think what the one trend that is happening for sure is the sophistication of Chinese consumers, um, you know, with globalization, with any brand, any good old brand, not just beauty, but any brand in the world trying to woo the Chinese customers. Um, they've really become very sophisticated and demanding mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, you know, how does the product or the brand benefit me? 
um, how does it make me stand out among my friends or how does the brand represent my values? So you've seen with some of the fashion brands, the types of marketing activations they've done, yep. um, you know, it really makes a huge impact. Um, and I think um, a couple years ago, if a brand has the marketing dollars to spend on celebrities, they can leverage the celebrity power and become quite successful. Um, but now, you know, a brand really needs to be clear on what it is, what is the need that uh, it fulfills for the Chinese customers and be focused on this, not just focused on the celebrities um, so that, you know, they can truly address this need or uh, whether or not the brand fulfills a sentimental value or how does it improve the consumer's general well-being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think definitely with the research that I've done around clean and natural brands and how I agree with you in terms of it's still not mainstream by any means. You know, we're not talking like the US or Australia where it's already pretty mainstream. Correct. Um, in yeah. China, you've got a small subset of people that are looking at it. And I, and I think that's mm -hmm. growing. And I think because of COVID, you've got a, a sort of healthy beauty, which is, is something that people are, people are more interested in. So they are looking more at right. the ingredients. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, I think the sophistication of the consumer, it, you totally said it, like it's, it's, it's astounding the amount of information that, because also they like consuming information, right? Like I think more so than, exactly. um, than the West and, and yeah. reading about what's behind the brand, yeah. what's in the product, where does it come from? You know, I think they're yeah. so knowledgeable. Yeah. And I love, um, I love to use this. Um, I've said it so many times that it's almost become cliche for myself, but, um, you know, McKinsey China did a, did a research whereby the Chinese consumer, the average Chinese consumer requires eight touch points before they mm -hmm. make a purchase, whereas overseas mm. it's only four. So mm. it's really the, the, the level of information that they consume is, is tremendous. Yeah. And that's, and that's a really sort of very concrete tip for brands. Like when you come in, when you have, you think you've got enough assets or enough copy, you don't like you definitely no, don't. You, don't. <laughs> you need to like double or yeah. triple what you use exactly. elsewhere. Um, so the consumer can see your, your product from every angle and um, you know, right. at, at, to your point, more touch points, more references, more yeah. to feel, to feel, um, uh, more secure about making that purchase, yes. I think. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, that's why now um, celebrities and the, and the big chaos, obviously they still do have the power of uh, the influencing power, but now um, the KOCs, the key opinion consumers, the micro-level KOLs have become uh, more influential and therefore they charge more as well. Uh, because, you know, the customers are demanding for more information, they're demanding for more angles, uh, more channels to and more opinions about a certain mm. product and certain uh, brand before they actually make that purchase decision. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I think we could talk all day. It's a very interesting <laughs> topic, <laughs> um, but I think we'll, we'll leave it there. And if people want to get in touch with you, I guess LinkedIn is the best way to yes. connect with you. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I'll put, I'll put the details below and um, so people can, people can find you there if they want to continue Great. the conversation. <laughs> Thank you for, so much for having me, Ali. Thanks.